episode 134 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about soft totalitarianism in America. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you are on social media and topics such as totalitarianism, the Paris Climate Accord, purges on social media, the 2020 presidential election, or secession comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, ThinkSpot, Rumble, and Instagram where I post a 5-6 to six minute highlight of each program. You can find that on Instagram.com forward slash TruthQuestPodcast. Whatever platform you are listening to this on, please take a moment and scroll down and give it a 5-star rating or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. I want this episode to be a wake-up call. I want it to help you better understand the world in which we live. I want you to be able to recognize it when you see it. Call it out for what it is. The it being soft totalitarianism. Ignorance and apathy are no longer acceptable. You must pull your head out of the sand if it's there. You need to pay attention and wake up. This episode is a direct result of episode 126, Big Tech Censorship, and 132, The Truth About the Great Social Media Purge of 2021. And of course, it's a direct result of the behavior of Biden and the Democrats in Congress. I realize that the idea of soft totalitarianism is not something you hear a lot about, despite the fact that we live under it today, and it is only getting worse. Consider this episode an exercise of planting a seed, one that I hope you will water regularly. As you digest the news, think about it through the lens of soft totalitarianism. So let's start at the beginning. What is totalitarianism? Well, I want you to close your eyes and imagine a line, a spectrum. Let's call it the political spectrum. On the right side is the right, and on the left, the left, as you might have guessed. The right side of this political spectrum is characterized by maximum liberty, limited government. The left side is characterized by no liberty and total control by a central government. Now you'll see things like fascism, communism, Marxism, socialism, dictators, authoritarians, and totalitarians on the left side. And on the right, you see things like the Constitution. If you keep moving further to the right, where there's more liberty, you'll see things like the Articles of Confederation. And ultimately, there's anarchy. Now, the left, you'll see less or no free speech. You'll see compelled compliance and conformity. No religion. You'll see the destruction of the nuclear family and confiscation of guns. On the right side of this political spectrum is characterized by natural God-given rights, private property rights, the non-aggression principle, and free speech. So in a nutshell, totalitarianism is paternalistic, anti-freedom, anti-God, coercive, and intolerant. When you hear the word totalitarian, you probably think about dictators. Maybe you think about the Soviet Union back in the day. What we have today in America is soft totalitarianism. Totalitarianism was really perfected under Mussolini, who defined it as everything within the state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state. In other words, nothing can be permitted to exist that contradicts society's ruling ideology. Totalitarians, whether old line or soft, both require the removal of big G God from society. 
the government is totalitarian because it acknowledges no restraints on its power, which is why the Constitution is an impediment. In many regards, totalitarians are worse than dictators, who can make life hard for you, but they are not out to devour your soul. Totalitarians, on the other hand, seek your soul, as demonstrated by the extent to which they go to control the narrative and gaslight. They try to replace all prior traditions and institutions. Their endgame is to bring all of society under control of their ideology, i.e. single-party rule, the purging of dissenting ideas online. The words dictator and America are usually not in the same sentence, unless you are a Democrat member of Congress who like to call Trump a dictator, while clearly not knowing the definition of the word. But we do have a form of dictatorship in America, that being of one sector of government control over the entire country. The executive branch has spread so dramatically over the last century that it has become a joke to speak of checks and balances. The courts enforce the will of the executive branch. The legislature ratifies it, and faceless bureaucrats create the rules. None of that would be happening if we followed the Constitution. Anytime you centralize rather than decentralize, you are walking towards totalitarianism. Think back to the political spectrum I walked you through. The more you deregulate and limit government's power, the more you walk towards the right side, freedom and liberty. The opposite is true as you walk towards totalitarianism. Totalitarians want to define and control reality, i.e. they want to control the language and control the narrative. Truth is whatever they say it is. They want to control not only your actions but your thoughts and your emotions. You must pledge allegiance to a set of progressive beliefs, many of which, as I have documented over and over again, are incompatible with logic and certainly incompatible with Christianity. As I mentioned, totalitarians try to replace all prior traditions and institutions with the endgame of bringing all of society under control of their ideology. Do you remember this gem from Michelle Obama? Quote, Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. We are going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place as a nation. I have a question for Michelle. Why? Why are we changing the conversation? changing our traditions and our history because she's in the totalitarian camp i mean she's an elite she is smarter than all of us and has no problem dictating to us what other traditions and institutions are in the process of being torn down by our totalitarian overlords well i've already mentioned it the constitution i say it all the time in this podcast we live in a post-constitutional america the progressive movement, which is totalitarian has been tearing down the constitution in earnest since woodrow wilson what other traditions and institutions have we seen torn down? Well, just the idea of limited government and enumerated powers to the federal government, fairness, meritocracy, the church and God, natural rights and natural law. The New York Times 1619 project is a perfect example because they want to reframe American history by replacing the traditional date of the founding with the date of the Declaration of Independence with the date that slaves were first brought to the country. Why? to push the systemic racism message. you got to stoke racial divide and create another perceived aggrieved group with which to divide the nation. And most importantly, change our traditions. Change the conversation. How about Chuck Schumer, who recently said during the Georgia Senate runoffs, first we take Georgia, then we change America. All they want to do is change, change, change. It's quite extensive. Control the narrative, control the language, change definitions, tell enough lies over and over again, and it becomes truth. 
They rewrite the language and history. They change the standards of thought, behavior, and speech. You never know when you violate the most recent, ever-changing social norms, allowing those in power a perpetual, never-ending ability to call you out as a racist, a bigot, a sexist, a misogynist, and all the phobes, homophobe, xenophobe, transphobe. You never know a completely normal thing you are doing today that will be used to destroy you tomorrow. If you do violate one of those ever-changing norms, the consequences are extreme. You lose your social media presence is the least of your worries. Lose your job, lose your privacy, have your life threatened by total strangers, your reputation ruined. A progressive and profoundly anti-Christian militancy is slowly overtaking society. Totalitarians replace big G God with a bunch of little G gods. Government, a political party, corporations, the environment, causes. It's not easy to manipulate people who know who they are, know history, know the truth. Those who worship big G God and not the state or cause. Which is why so much propaganda and disinformation and outright fake news is distributed. It's meant to overwhelm you, make you second guess yourself, your gut, your instincts. It's why God has been removed from the public square. It's easier to drink what they pour than to ask what's in the cup. Just go along to get along. That's a little bit about totalitarianism, but what about soft totalitarianism? Well, it doesn't look like the Soviet Union, which used hard means like armed revolution or gulags to enforce its ideology. It does it in soft forms. It's presented as therapeutic. It, it masks its hatred of dissenters in the guise of helping and healing. It masquerades as kindness, compassion, and taking care of the downtrodden. But as with all totalitarians, dissension is not allowed. Violence is justified if perpetrated against the dissenters. There are no principles like the Constitution, the Ten Commandments, natural law, Judeo-Christian values. None of that is even considered. There is a perpetual search for victims of which justice is required, i.e. social justice. More on that in a minute. It's not enough to silence dissent. You must destroy and ruin the dissenters. Look at what happened to Trump and anyone associated with him. Soft totalitarianism is all about forced conformity. It's about politically motivated coercion. Say her name! Or like George Stephanopoulos recently said to Senator Rand Paul, why won't you just say it right here and now that there is no evidence of vote fraud? Put someone's name or an organization's initials on the back of your helmet, damn it. Wear the mask. Kneel for the anthem or else. The old totalitarians ruled through threat of pain or through force. The new totalitarians rule through manipulation. That's why the media is so powerful. Disinformation, omission, propaganda, and flat-out lies. Soft totalitarianism is achieved in America through an unholy alliance between the public and private sectors. Think about it. you got elected officials, the entire National Democrat Party, and the establishment Republicans. You have government bureaucracies and the people who run them. You have large corporations, academia. You have the legacy media. And you have Hollywood. All of them have been aligned ideologically for decades. But what galvanized them, what turned them into straight-up totalitarians, is Trump derangement syndrome. Check out episode 73 if you're interested in that. He was the catalyst that flushed all of these assholes out. Their cards are on the table for all to see. Social justice is at the core of soft totalitarianism. It is how they justify their agenda. Social justice fills the same psychological and social needs as religion. And since traditional religion has been banished, this fills the gap. It is a religion based on revealed truths that cannot be questioned, Dialogue with these folks does not consist of a logical examination of their beliefs. There's no critical thinking. They are there 
to accept your confession. That's it. They are an ideologically motivated moral community. Social justice gives its followers lives meaning. They have a shared mission and shared beliefs. But what are these beliefs? Well, see, everything revolves around power and how it is used. Power is distributed and exercised via politics. So everything is seen through the lens of power. That is why they break society up into all these perceived aggrieved groups. Their mission is to bring about more equitable, just power relationships. Those who resist are practicing hate and cannot be reasoned with, only conquered. It's very jihad-like, convert or die. There is no such thing as objective truth, only power. Truth is determined by those in power. Identity politics is used to sort out the oppressed from the oppressors. In classical Marxism, the bourgeoisie are the oppressors and the proletariat the oppressed. Under the cult of social justice, the oppressors are usually white, male, heterosexual, and Christian. The oppressed are racial minorities, women, sexual, and religious minorities. The poor are not really considered a group worthy of attention, as they are in Judeo-Christianity, because you might be a poor homeless white dude, but the white part supersedes the poor homeless part. A rich black lesbian woman is more oppressed than the poor white dude. See how a discussion based on logic and critical thinking falls short with these folks? Justice per se is irrelevant. What is relevant is justice based on group identity. Social justice is a perversion of Christian teaching because it reduces people into groups based on economic status, racial gender, and sexual identity. Christianity sees everyone is made in God's image. Everyone is a sinner in need of a redeemer and should repent. That's why we speak out against abortion rather than fall into the lie of choice. That's why we speak up for the nuclear family and two genders rather than hemming and hawing about a patriarchal nature of society or pushing gender identity nonsense or making excuses for biological boys who want to use the women's bathroom or compete in women's sports because our beliefs are based on natural law, God's law. One of the ways soft totalitarians maintain power is through an ever-changing list of thought crimes. You hear it all the time. Homophobia, Islamophobia, transphobia, biphobia, fatphobia, racism, ableism, on and on and on. It's a mini red terror, which was a period of political repression in Russia in the early 20th century. Dissent was squashed. People were presumed guilty based on their class and social status. Sound familiar? All white people are racist. They have white privilege because of their skin color. These folks, of course, are not the racists for putting forth such a pronouncement. Nope, because they control the narrative and the language, and they simply change the definition. Speaking of controlling the language, our soft totalitarian overlords tightly police speech and condemn that which offends them. The rules of discourse do not comport with old-school liberals and conservatives, which is why they are the ones that always seem to be caught by the thought police. So what does soft totalitarianism look like? How, how does it work? Well, generally speaking, you can follow the progression this way. First, there is something fundamentally and intolerably wrong with the current reality. Then there's a plan to fix it that requires all of society to buy in. People opposing the plan need to be re-educated about the plan so they do accept it. You know, get their heads right. Then people who resist the persuasion need to be re-educated even against their will. People who don't accept the plan, no matter what, need to be removed from society. So that's a rough summary of the general tactics employed by soft totalitarian overlords. Let's look at some specifics. 
The social media censorship and banning of political opponents is the most prevalent method used today. Again, check out episodes 126 and 132 for more on that. Doxing is a favorite tactic of soft totalitarians, whereby the totalitarian publicly broadcasts private and identifying information, especially personally identifying information like your home address or place of employment, so the mob can find you and harass you. As annoying and scary as the social media purge and doxing is, the new totalitarians focus on domestic terrorism it is downright sinister and evil. The Democrats are proposing legislation to unleash the illegal NSA spying apparatus supposedly set up to track foreign terrorists, and they want to unleash that on American citizens who do not worship at the altar of the Democrats' agenda. We need to get our heads right, folks. We need to be deprogrammed. Why don't they just say it out loud? They really want re-education camps. Former Facebook executive Alice Stamos, members of Congress and Alphabet Soup media types have recently labeled the questioning of the election results as violent extremism, domestic terrorism, insurrection, revolution, insurgents, extremists, all of which need to be eradicated from social media and, for that matter, society. They should lose their jobs, lose their websites, remove from the banking system. It goes on and on. Then the totalitarians argue that because they are terrorists, they should be surveilled by the police. Former CIA director, perjurer, and habitual liar John Brennan went on a three-minute soliloquy on CNN recently about this whole thing. He laid out the plan with precision. Check it out online. As one author put it, we appear to be headed towards a dystopian future in which there will essentially be two classes of people. There'll be the normals, those who conform to the Democrats' agenda, and the extremists, those who don't. Keep in mind, extremist is a broad, ever-changing term, leaving the totalitarians lots of wiggle room. We've got right-wing and left-wing extremism, black nationalist extremism, religious fundamentalist extremism, Islamic extremism, we have Christian extremism, we have white supremacy, virus deniers, climate deniers, anti-vaxxers, conspiracy theorists, anti-maskers, pronoun resistors, vote fraud believers, or whatever. The name doesn't really matter. The point is conform or be labeled an extremist, a domestic terrorist, or other, some other type of antisocial person or social deviant, or potential threat to public health, and therefore subject to domestic terrorism legislation. It's the Alien and Sedition Acts on steroids. Another tactic is to advocate for putting so-called extremists on the no-fly list. Anyone who participated in a non-Democrat party-endorsed protest like Senator Ted Cruz and Trump voters, I mean, who's to stop them? How about blacklists by publishers of authors who don't play ball by the Democratic agenda or fall into one of the other extremist categories? Some other ta specific tactics include advertiser boycotts and modern-day brown shirts, Antifa, BLM. Newsmax and OAN are labeled a problem and should be removed from major cable carriers. They call the National Guard members brought in to protect the inauguration from unsubstantiated dangers. They called any of them who voted for Trump a, quote, suspect group. Former FBI Director James Comey said the Republican Party needs to be burned down or changed. You've heard the expression, those who don't know or are unaware of history are doomed to repeat it. Let's take a stroll down memory lane, shall we? Let's use probably the most famous totalitarian in history as our guide, Hitler. As you probably know, totalitarians always spend a great deal of time talking about their boogeymen, their enemies, to keep the focus off of their real agenda. Hitler was no different. He blamed the Jews, of course. 
The current soft totalitarian regime blames various permutations of unproven white supremacy and inequality and inequity. You know, silence is violence, and other bullshit slogans that mean nothing yet cast a wide net for boogeymen. Hitler dehumanized the Jews in order to curry favor with his electorate by calling them rats and vermin, i.e. subhuman. The current regime calls Trump supporters and non-Democrats a host of dehumanizing terms like, ironically, Nazis. But they also like deplorables, insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, all the things I've mentioned earlier. It's quite an impressive list. Hitler gained control of the economy by gaining voluntary compliance from industry leaders. Check, we have that. The social media giants do the bidding of the current totalitarian regime, basically without even being asked. Hitler gained power through intimidation. Check, we have that too. Antifa and BLM have clearly shown their willingness to commit violence. We have attacks on United States senators in the streets of D.C. We have members of the Trump administration targeted in public, encouraged by the likes of Democratic crazy congresswoman from California, Maxine Waters. We have then-VP candidate Kamala Harris telling Stephen Colbert that violence won't stop, should not stop even after Election Day. She even raised money to pay the bail for rioters. Speaker of the House Pelosi and half a dozen other members of the Democrat Party and Congress have made similar comments glorifying and encouraging the violence. Hitler gained power by replacing executives of large corporations with loyalists. Don't need to do that. Look at the current crop of CEOs at powerful companies. Hippie Jack Dorsey at Twitter. Mark Augusta Zuckerberg at Facebook. Sudar Pichai at Google. Tim Cook at Apple. Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan Chase. Jeff Bezos at Amazon. Reed Hastings at Netflix, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, they are all neutered and silent when it comes to the current totalitarian regime. Hitler used the brown shirts to prevent his opponents from speaking. Don't need to do that. We have big tech censorship and social media purges. We have colleges that refuse to allow conservative speakers to speak on campus, and the alphabet soup media that simply parrots the National Democrats' daily talking points with no level of objectivity even attempted. We have a clear dual justice system, one for well-connected Democrats like Bill Clinton, John Brennan, James Comey, Bob Menendez, Joe and Hunter Biden, Hillary Clinton, James Clapper, Eric Holder, Lois Lerner, Andrew McCabe, Ted Kennedy, and Al Sharpton, and one for everyone else like Trump, Roger Stone, Michael Flynn. We have the squashing of speech. Can't talk about the failings of government's coronavirus response. Can't mention potential vote fraud. Can't mention Hillary's illegal email server or Obama and Hillary's failings and likely illegal activities at Benghazi. All of this for what? Why is all this necessary? I will let Dennis Prager answer that question from a recent article. But before that, here's a quote from Michael Malice that lays the groundwork. He said, the left is attempting, quote, to establish monopoly control of all conversations happening on earth, end quote. He continued, how insane is that? Answer, very. Back to Prager, who wrote, the left always suppresses speech. Since Vladimir Lenin and the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia in 1917, there's been no example of the left in control and not crushing dissent. That is one of the important differences between liberal and left. Liberalism and liberals believe in free speech. The present leftist threat to freedom in America, the greatest threat to freedom in American history, is made possible because liberals think they have more to fear from conservatives than from the left. Liberals do not understand that the left regards liberals as their useful idiots. Why does the left need to crush all dissent? 
This is a question made all the more stark because there is no parallel on the right. Conservatives do not shut down dissent or debate. The left controls universities. There is little or no dissent allowed at universities. The left controls nearly every news medium. There is little or no dissent in the mainstream media, not in the news sections and not on the opinion sections. The left controls Hollywood. No dissent is allowed in Hollywood. The answer, though the left will not acknowledge it, is the left fears dissent, and they do so for good reason. Leftism is essentially a giant balloon filled with nothing but hot air. Therefore, no matter how big the balloon, the Democratic Party, the New York Times, Yale University, all it takes is a mere pin to burst it. Liberalism is venerated by intellectuals, but there is little intellectual substance to leftism. It is a combination of doctrine and emotion. The proof? Those with intellectual depth do not stifle dissent. They welcome it. That is why universities are so opposed to conservatives coming and speaking on campus. One articulate conservative can undo years of left-wing indoctrination in a one-hour talk or Q&A. And finally, he said, Now you know why the left suppresses free speech, because they have to. If there is free speech, there is dissent, and if there is dissent, there is no more left. As I said from the outset of this episode, my hope is that you will consume the news with a little bit of, shall we say, speculative bend. I mean, it cannot be much more obvious what is going on in America, and for that matter, in other industrialized countries. Soft totalitarianism is on the march. Here in the States, the Constitution used to protect us from these efforts, but like the steady erosion of a stream or a waterfall, the steady bastardization of the protections encapsulated in the Constitution has been slowly yet forcibly neutered and or removed completely. Today, the federal government has virtually unlimited power. Politically, we are ruled by a uniparty. There's no significant difference between the Dems and the GOP. As one commentator put it, the Trump era was like a prison riot. The majority of us, the prisoners, got sick and tired of the uniparty, the wars, the debt, the lies, the offshoring of jobs, being told that America is the problem in the world, that we cling to God and our guns. We were tired of seeing judges legislate from the bench. Basically, we were tired of being screwed and never listened to. But like all prison riots, they usually end abruptly with brute force i.e. an election full of irregularities, improprieties, and illegalities, or big tech censorship and social media purge. There may be a few skirmishes in the meantime, like impeachment, fake news, the faux-Russia collusion narrative, but it always ends poorly for the prisoners. And that is where we find ourselves today. We have been put back in our cell. We've been put back in our rightful place. The totalitarians are running the show now, and as I've often said, the only remedy I see that could possibly right the badly damaged ship known as the United States is for a few states to secede from the Union and regain control of their lives by liberating themselves from the corrupt, suffocating, overreaching group of our overlords in D.C. Can you think of another remedy? Voting doesn't work. We'll never get term limits. We will never see a reduction in federal spending. Open borders will be a reality very soon. China's influence over our political class is a clear and present danger. Continuing to willingly allow our interests to be represented in such a centralized manner rather than decentralizing it among the many states is a suicide march. The totalitarians among us don't really have to work that hard to implement their agenda because not enough of us speak out. And that is the truth about soft totalitarianism. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquest podcast. 